Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. After deep consideration, I too have decided to transfer my talents to the Oregon State Beavercast. That's a hell of a show out there in Corvallis. Hell yeah. of a show. I'm a Beavcaster. Uh, yeah. A lot of four-star talent. I don't know if it's a four-star show, really. More like a two-and-a-half-star show. But uh, I'm also with Mac. What up, Redcasters? Um going to go out of town this week seeing the fighters of food down in kansas city and then i'm going to watch northwestern and take a beating from our huskers pretty confident about that. nice i like it Thanks. nice i like it i like it all right i'm also with boomer well i'd just like to uh, extend my typical offer to all other coaching staffs for any of you interested in hiring and or promoting former husker assistants i can serve as a great reference having watched a great great many of their games and could easily <laughs> explain why they're no longer here <laughs> Uh, well, Boomer, you're, you're back. You were in Iowa last week. Correct. We missed you. I was in Iowa, yes. I'm not sure I missed the game or the podcast, but that's okay. So we're back. So. <laughs> and you, you survived your trip to Iowa I did, somehow. yeah. I, I, I kind of went underground for a while, pretended to like, you know, 500 seasons and, you know, lengthy terms of with, you know, coaches that accomplished very little. But, uh, yeah, I did the best we could. I will say that uh, Hawkeye fans are rather enjoying our current state of affairs in uh, Huskerdom, so that uh, does come up occasionally on their on their sports. Did radio you swing and... by that that convenience store that has the beer locked up? I did not. I needed to go swing by that. I, I'm going back in a couple of weeks, so I'll go test it out then. At that point, so see what's there. So. Oh no 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 no! That 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 door is going to be broken open by then because we're going to have our first victory, right, guys? Well, that's right, Dave. Yes. All yes. Right. Yes. All right. That's what I want to hear because. Obviously, that victory did not happen in Madison over the weekend. Our uh, insepid horror story of a season is continuing. 0-5 start here under the Frost regime, even though uh, we feel that uh, that everything will eventually turn around. That's nine straight losses, which I honestly can't say I ever thought would ever happen to our beloved Huskers in our lifetimes. Um that's all I can really say about that. Uh, Honky, um, you watched the game at home uh, this uh, weekend with your wife and uh, little boy. How did that go? Yeah, uh, you know, not well. <laughs> 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 I, I went into the game and I thought, we're not going to win it and just be cool and calm. And then after that first penalty right away that made it first and 15, I just lost it. I just I don't know why. <laughs> It wasn't the worst penalty we had all night, but that one just set me off. I was like, are you kidding me, guys? Come on, just stop doing this to yourself. But still too many penalties. I guess I'll start with the negative. Still too many penalties. Um, some of them were quite questionable, but we've said this before. We've kind of earned that reputation at this point. Uh, Wisconsin had a number of penalties that didn't get called on them, and they've kind of earned that reputation. So I guess that's a place for us to, to strive to get to. 
defensively right now we're just simply not built to, de- to defend that kind of power running game. That's probably our weakest point defensively, and it's shocking to us because it's our front seven, which I think coming into the season we were really confident in, but, man, they just they couldn't hold up there. But there's a lot of positives, and we'll get to that. It, it starts with that youth in the, in the backfield on the offense. Uh, we put up a lot of yards again, the most yards that, that Wisconsin's given up in, in several years, but it's just right now it's just not turning into points. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, 500 yards offense, it feels like you're going to be in a good spot, but there's just too many other things going wrong overall. Mac, your thoughts? Yeah, the game actually played out just about exactly how I thought it would. Um, we were going to need to play mistake-free to have a, a chance at winning at the end, and we didn't. Uh, we Again, I don't think that Wisconsin – they didn't blow me away with how how much they dominated that game. That's a team, and it's pretty clear you have to you have to be scoring with to have a chance with it at the end. If they've got a lead and they can just run the ball at you, I, we we haven't been working out that hard for the last three years. But even one really good off season is going to make up for that kind of deficit. We played better, but we're just going to wear out. We were just going to wear out. You cannot fall behind a team like that. Not at home. Not when they are so good at doing what they're doing. And it, yeah, it just kind of it just kind of went totally to script. It was just like any other Wisconsin game, you know. I saw now there were some big plays. I I, I see bright spots, but yeah, that was that was going to be a tough game. I, I was not mortified. Michigan horrified me watching that game at the end of it. I was I I didn't know where we were going to be as a team after that. This game kind of went according to script. Things things could have went differently a few times, and that game would have looked. A lot better on the scroll. I don't know if we win it, but it could look a lot better. Yeah. Sure, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Wisconsin and Michigan uh, look this weekend. They they're facing each other, and I, I you know if you're looking at Nebraska as a barometer for those two, Michigan sure look a lot better. But um, I guess we'll find out. Honky, you, you want to jump in there? Oh well, I was just going to say kind of. Along those lines, I think what we've seen, if you look at the two toughest teams that we've played so far, Michigan's going to be the toughest front seven defensively that we're going to go against all year, especially Ohio State with Bosa out. I think we've we've hit the team that's going to hit us the hardest in that front seven. Offensively or, or defensively, the team that, that's going to have the best front five that we're going to go against on offense, we just played with Wisconsin. Um, so we, where we're struggling right now in the trenches on both sides of the ball, I think we actually got through the two teams that are probably going to be the toughest that we're going to go against. Yeah. Now, now there's this game in Columbus, as I say that, there's this game in Columbus that's looming where, don't get me wrong, it's not that those guys aren't good players, they're, and they're explosive in many different ways, but I don't know that their offensive line is going to be able to just blow us over the way that Wisconsin's could, and I don't know that their front seven is just going to tear us apart the way Michigan's did. And along the way, we just want to keep seeing progress, Right. That's the thing. And and I thought that we we did see progress in this game from where we were at two weeks ago and three weeks ago. And, sure. again, it all starts with, with that signal caller who is one of the coolest, calmest customers that we've had ever to play that position. I, I can't believe I'm saying that after, like, three or four games, but he is so cool and calm back there. Uh, if it's a bad snap, whatever, we've got a quarterback who is growing right in front of our eyes, and he's getting healthy. He looked healthy out there, something he didn't sure. look against Michigan. And it's going to be a fun next three years watching this guy. Yeah, I mean, Adrian Martinez, J.D. Spillman, 
uh, Mo Washington, uh, and even Stanley look like you know they 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 are playing with uh, the the right attitude and and are looking uh, really good out there. Just if that offensive line could come around. Boomer, uh, your thoughts on this? Are you uh, disappointed that the Freedom Trophy is staying in Madison? Well, I'm just disappointed the Freedom Trophy even exists in the first place. Those <laughs> horrible corporate-approved, you know, waiting for sponsorship kind of trophies that they've kind of forced upon us, you know. Nothing yeah. like the $5 bits of broken chair, which was organic and fun. These uh, these committee-approved ones are terrible, but maybe, maybe hey, I'm Boomer. wrong. We've just never had a chance to see it here. So in, in hey, Boomer. True. Oh, yes. Boomer. Yeah. Boomer, we're going we're gonna to actually have an interview with the uh, $5 bits of broken chair people. That's going to be on next week's show. And that's called foreshadowing, nice. everybody. Did you like that? So, or, or a tease. Yeah, or a tease nice. as well. Very nice. A little so. trailer. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there were some positives to the game. You know, we did Martinez, again, plays well. He's got such a nice touch on some of his passes. You know, they just way better than I thought he'd be, you know, a freshman who hadn't played in, you know, a year and a half. So it's looked pretty good on that. He still makes a lot of freshman mistakes, which is going to come with that. You know, we were kind of blessed that, you know, Wisconsin dropped, what, two or three potential interceptions at, at least. At least two. For gone, sure, two. Could have gone the wrong way. And, you know, the one grain of salt I do kind of take with uh, with our offensive performance, I guess it's kind of two. You know, we're always putting these good numbers up in the second half when we're already down by double digits. So, you know, is the defense kind of laying off a little bit at that point? I don't know, maybe. And then I do kind of worry that I think, you know, Wisconsin's secondary, I think I was the next guy up on their uh, depth chart at that point with, yeah. the, with the youth and inexperience and injuries they had. That was probably the youngest or one of the weakest secondaries we're going to play in a while. So hopefully we can keep that up and, like we said, just keep growing and get a little bit better, you know, every game and to see where it ends up by the end of the year. Uh, hockey, Mac, maybe we can uh, take that uh, in a direction. I wonder what you thought about the, the game plan there. To Boomer's point, I, I think Frost and company saw a weakness in the Wisconsin secondary. We did throw a, a lot, and we didn't run maybe as much as some people thought we would, especially considering how good of a game a, a Zigbo had against Purdue. I, any thoughts on that? I think some of that just was how the game ended up playing. By being down 20-3 to three at half, you're probably going to be a little more in passing mode coming out. We had a couple of basically three and outs to start the first quarter, so we just didn't have the ball very much. That that whole first half, it felt like we barely had it, so we, I, I don't think that lended itself necessarily. But to Boomer's point about their young secondary, it was, and I think we took yeah. advantage of that in some cases. I also I do want to very much highlight the touchdown run that, that Martinez had at the very end. That run was against uh, Dakota Dixon. That's, that's yep. against an all-Big Ten player, and he flat-out made him look silly. And the reality is, again, I, I feel weird saying this about a player that's played three, four games now, but that's the coolest, calmest quarterback we have had in years. He is cooler and calmer right now in that backfield, and he's a better passer, and he's, he's more electric with his legs than either Armstrong or Mar- the first Martinez were, and those guys were starters for seven years. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I mean, at no point have I see, did I see them ever in their careers ever look as good as what we're seeing Adrian in just in just moments on the field. Here's a question for you guys: In that, is Adrian Martinez the most talented person we've had at quarterback since? You said Crouch last week. I said Mac. Crouch. I, as far as his ability, his combination ability to run, like. I was, I was talking to Hunk about this just earlier today. I mean, he runs with the kind of power and speed of a Jamal Lord, 
but he's a lot more sudden than Jamal. Like Jamal got had to have a head of steam to kind of get going. Martinez is quick and he is shifty, and as soon as he makes that decision to run, his posture completely changes. You know, when when Taylor Martinez would run, he'd do that super vertical run and not know how to take a hit. When Adrian crosses the line of scrimmage, he gets low, the ball gets tucked away. He's making moves on guys, not linebackers, but safeties and corners. We've seen him do it a couple times and then be able to explode upfield to get that, you know, that first and 20 or that third and 20 that we needed. So, and his running ability, I haven't seen for a long time. And then you combo that oh, with his, his, passing. his passing touch when his feet are set. And he's got a little – and I thought the line did a decent job of giving him time. The freshman thing that I saw out of him this week was I felt like he held on to that ball for maybe a count too long, yeah, and he probably right. should have tucked it and ran. But it will serve him well going forward that he is keeping his eyes downfield because as this offense starts making more sense to him, he will find those guys mm-hmm. on the backside or the, or the check down or the drag route or whatever that ends up being. And then he is going to be very difficult to stop. So, so talent-wise, to answer your question – He's the most complete guy, you know, like like Cody Green when he came in was kind of supposed to be this yeah. really good passer. He had four thousand yards passing in high school, and he was a really good yeah. rusher. He was six four, you know, two twenty. He had that that first game he came in, he had big runs. Never was consistent. Adrian doesn't get his his senior year comes in, and he is he's everything he's advertised to be. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, yeah, Cody Green was the opposite of smooth, but uh, Martinez. <laughs> You think about this, we've had bad shotgun snaps dating back as far as I can remember now. And again, through Armstrong and Taylor Martinez, through all the bad snaps they ever had, I've never once saw them handle a bad snap the way that Adrian does right now. Adrian handles a bad snap like it's a good one. He just grabs it and and just takes it down and reads the defense and and makes a play, whether it's with his feet or his arm. Yeah, he feels Uh, it like a first baseman. Oh, it's it's unreal. But you mentioned, Mac, the (laughs) O-line. I thought one of the... I don't know if this is a perfect uh, technique, but one of the funny plays was, I think it was Bo Wilson, the right guard, got turned around on a pass block. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but he basically blocked with his rear end, <laughs> whoever the guy was. But it, it worked. It worked, and, and we had an opening you know, for, for a throw. Where, where I think right now, and this, this I'm going to kind of go away from Martinez for a second, and I don't need to see a lot out of players right now. This, this comes out of losing nine in a row. I don't need to see a lot out of players to the point where, like, if I see one or two good things and I'm not seeing it from someone else at the same position, I'm ready to say put the guy in. So I'll give a couple examples. Cam Taylor comes in, goes over the deep, the, the receiver's back, and knocks the ball down. Okay, you're playing. I haven't seen that in two and a half years out of Lamar Jackson. I haven't seen that out of Eric Lee. I don't need to see five more times. I don't need to see ten more times. If you did it once, awesome. Yeah. Isaac Armstrong goes out there. Kicks one punt and I go, hey, that looks different. <laughs> he did he did it twice. It's like, yeah, put him on the That's field. Like, we I got our own heavy set kicker. Let him get out there. Yeah. I love that kid. <laughs> don't need to see any more to, to, to prove to me that, that that kid's warrants, you know, getting out there more. And today he was he was first on the on the uh, depth chart. So I guess that is a positive. If you can make a positive out of losing nine straight, is that when somebody gets on the field and actually produces, makes the catch, does whatever, get him out there. What well, to go back to the offense real quick to start out the game, our first down plays were actually pretty good. And even our first drive, we made a nice play on first down, and then we immediately kill ourselves with a penalty. And and that's the frustrating thread for this whole season. But I don't – you know, if people are going to get upset with our passing to run ratio, I, I do think this is a game that they saw uh, a possible weakness 
in the secondary of Wisconsin. They wanted to test that. And, you know, yep. more power I, to you. Yeah. But if, I, I, if, you're, if you get penalties, you immediately take yourself out of the ability to do that stuff. And that's just where we've been all year. So it's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it, last week we talked about the Frost offense and how it kind of, you know, when it's working, it should build upon itself and, you know, plays get, get um, better and better. I mean, there was some stuff there this, this week or, or on Saturday that I, I felt like I started to see that where, you know, uh, J.D. Spielman would go into motion and he'd come back and actually, you know, uh, work himself free. Mo Washington lining up as a wide receiver and catching that pass down the sideline. I mean, that that's that's a running back making that catch, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's start, the offense is starting to look better. It's It's just that. If that offensive line, I was I was talking to a buddy at work today who's from Wisconsin, and uh, he's about six foot three, you know, two forty. I call him tiny because you know he would be a very small <laughs> compared to a Wisconsin lineman. Uh, but I'm like, you know, our offensive line has to cheat. It's the only way they can get anything to block, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's why they get so many penalties called against them. If that offensive line could somehow shore up uh, in the near future, uh, you have. I mean, I'll just say you have NFL talent out there with, with you know, I mean, don't you think that J.D. Spielman's going to play in the NFL someday, guys? Yeah. I mean, maybe. He, his measurables are a little – I mean, just for the slot, NFL huh? being such a such a measurable league, that would be the only thing that I hesitate. He's right, a hell, he's a hell of a football and, player. And, and, and make him a, a star. He's uh, an absolute football player for sure. I don't know sure. NFL talent, but he's a baller. All right, never mind then. I was just trying to, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to trying to paint paint a very nice picture for our fans. We're only you know? five. <laughs> if we had one win, I'd what be about like, yeah, okay, Stanley Morgan? Think Stanley Morgan makes the NFL? Uh, I mean, again, his yes, measurables are yes, not he, my. He, yes, Mo he Washington. Makes the NFL. Uh, he has talent. Too early to it's say. early on that. Yeah, it's early, but but the talent's there. To your point, yeah, Dave, that's the my talent point. is there. I mean, just trying to keep things positive, but Max bring the standard. I'm just going to go on the record saying I don't think Stanley Morgan's a lock. Super high draft pick at all. I didn't say that. I, did, I asked if he would make. Well, it I know, NFL. but the way Honky dismissed it made it sound like it's a foregone conclusion. I don't. I don't necessarily think that. I think he's a second day pick. I could go with that. Which I is can go second, second or third, third round. I mean, that's where I'd probably put him. But I do. I know we want to finish up this and get into to scarlet colored glasses day. But I do to kind of finish the point you were talking about how it feels like there are points where the offense is starting to develop some things. If you watch the Scott Frost show this Sunday night, they had the coordinators on, and Walter showed an example of that against Purdue where it was a play uh, where we had two backs in the backfield and they faked the handoff, and then and then Martinez starts running to the left, and he ends up throwing kind of a, a oh, late yeah. – it looks like an option, but yeah. kind of a weird option. He throws it straight to the uh, outside to Jack Stoll, and that's, that's a play they ran earlier in the game. Then later in the game, they run the exact same formation, and – this time, uh, you know, doing the same thing, they ended up throwing the ball out to uh, to Spielman, and it was his touchdown that was in the uh, northwest corner oh, of, of Memorial Stand, yeah, the pump yeah, yeah. fake. And so they were saying how think you know some, one play earlier in the game set up something later. So I think that we are just starting now to kind of get to that point where things are starting to to develop and formations and things that they can show are starting to kind of lead to something later in the game. Yep, yep, absolutely. Good point. Scarlet colored glasses. All right, next on the Go Big Red Cast, let's put on our scarlet colored glasses and talk all things Husker football. Uh, taking that wide angle view of uh, the Husker program. And uh, Honky, you know, we, we had a couple of departures this week. 
and that might be a indication or a signal of uh, that culture change that Frost has been trying to to achieve uh, since he's been here, starting to take hold a little bit. Uh, a couple of guys that, um, well, one we kind of expected, one not so much. Honky, what do you think about uh, Tyjon Lindsay and, and Greg Bell leaving the program? Yeah, I'm kicking myself a little bit because uh, Mac and I, after our show last week, I, we got done and I was telling him, I go, we're going to have some guys transferring. And I go, I want to see that. I want to see a couple guys leave the team. And I'm not picking individuals. I'm not saying I want this particular guy or that guy. It was just, it was more a point of, I want to see some guys leave because to me, that's part of this culture change. After every loss, when Frost would say, hey, there's things kind of in the locker room or there's certain guys that aren't buying in, you can only do that for so many weeks before, okay, fine. Then those guys need to leave. And what I was telling Mac a week ago I was, we can all, in our own minds, we all have guys that we could expect. Like, I could picture this guy or that guy, and for what it's worth, Lindsay was one of the guys that I was thinking would be a guy you'd expect. But I also said, there's going to be guys you don't expect. I didn't expect Bell to leave, but no. if he left, he left. Yeah. And I don't think that this is over right now by any means. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a few more. And again, I want to see it. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. We, we've lost nine in a row. I'm not worried about any one particular guy except for maybe some of the young guys we've talked about in the backfield. Right. If you're not if you're not here, if you're not in it, move on. And I'm 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 cool with that. Yeah, the only surprise to me, I guess, was probably Bell and is it's kind of the first frost guy, if you're not counting like Will Jackson, I guess, as as one of the guys who came in and, and left. I mean, all indications were that Bell did work really hard in the offseason and I don't I don't I can't pretend to understand all the dynamics of what went in his decision, but it's a head scratcher for me. I'm like, I don't know what his options are, what he thinks he's going to do, but uh, so be it. If if that's the kind of if that's the kind of like eggshell that you have around your psyche that you can't be benched and still be a contributor on your team, you're not a very good teammate. I mean, I'm not trying to call the kid out, but like you're leaving your team at this point in the season. To me, that's a bad sign, and it kind of goes to what we were talking about. Then go. You know, we're going to build this with guys who need and want to be here and want to play, and, and that's just how we're going to go forward with it. There, there is no value. There is no super value to yeah. anybody on a team that's owing whatever. At the very least, Dave, we're not going to go into year three like Riley where we're still trying to get culture stuff figured out. This is going to happen now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is curious with, with Bell. I mean, he got benched, sure, but uh, Frost has already shown that he's – plays a rotation of back so it wasn't like he wasn't not gonna get back out on the on the field at all it is is curious in that sense and but maybe I mean he maybe also saw the writing on the wall a little bit I, I think Mo Washington's already starting to reveal himself as a ultra talented uh player back there and with uh Divine kind of taking the 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 number one spot and and Washington being the the kind of change up um, maybe Bell just saw the writing on the wall even for the future, not just this year. So it is curious. Uh, I, I think it's also interesting. Tyjon Lindsay has uh, announced his transfer to, to Oregon State. Uh, so that's a, a trend that we continue to see. Uh, Greg Bell uh, has a limitation on who he can transfer to. He not allowed to go to other Big Ten schools. And Oregon State was also added onto that as well as our non-conference opponents. I know hockey's not a big fan of that, but it is curious uh, that maybe Frost and his coaching staff's a little bit tired of Oregon State uh, rating our 
our roster. Yeah, well, actually, I think Boomer, and I'll let Boomer talk about this, I think he's really against the, the, the limitations. My, I'm fine with limitations on conference, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, it was interesting about the Oregon State one with Bell simply because there's absolutely no connection that Bell would have with Oregon State to begin with. But yeah. it's, but it's, <laughs> it's still interesting, and, and you can tell that the, the Beavers are getting under Coach Frost's skin, I think, a little bit. But, Boomer, you, you kind of had have – we were texting earlier, and you've had a, an issue, I guess, with that uh, limitations just period. I guess I, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts there. Oh, I'm just not a big fan of, you know, limiting where these players can go. I mean, if they really are student athletes, if they're not, you know, contract employees of a university or things like that, is it really fair to put limitations on where they can go? I, you know, I can see the argument that, oh, if you're transferring to a conference team, you know, you're going to play next year or something like that. Is he going to take the playbook? Is anything like that going to happen? Whatever. But again, you know, if these guys really are student athletes and they think going to Illinois is the best move for his future and career, is it really the role of a university or an athletic department to say, no, you shouldn't, we're not letting you go there uh, as a scholarship player or whatever it is. Mm. It, it seems a little petty, especially considering, you know, our coaching staff probably had years left on their Central Florida contact to come here. You know, we worked to get Noah Vedral released by Central Florida to come here. You know, granted, you know, Central Florida is not playing Nebraska, things like that. It's just, they're, they're still student athletes. Let them go play, you know. He's not going to be that huge spy that's going to totally reveal our offense. You know, he played in a handful of games and not particularly well in those. So what's he going to give away? And we basically barred him from any team we've ever played. So, I mean, we've torpedoed his chance of ever playing for Omaha Balloon or Iowa Pre-Flight, it seems like, too. So, you know. So, so, but on October 15th, isn't that when the NCAA rules going into place that changes how? Um, I think the NCAA doesn't limit it, but they still allow conferences to limit themselves but the ncaa okay. no longer bars you know the ncaa itself doesn't bar they don't know, where sanction that type yeah. of activity yeah. but any conference can still set more stringent rules on that which is yeah. you know kind of what we've done so but you know to to a point of that we talked about in a previous show i know that there was a little bit of a rush after four games to you know get your transfer now so that you can redshirt this season but again just for, for people to understand with a guy like bell he doesn't gain anything because no, no. no I, it, I, I think it's a weird move. Don't get me so wrong. He I can don't transfer. Fully understand it. Yeah, he can transfer and he can use this year as a red shirt. He and that's that's the new rule. He can red shirt this year, even though he played four games, but he's still going to sit out next year as a transfer. That loses his red shirt junior year, basically, and he'll have one yep. year to play a senior year somewhere else. Yeah. Unless he unless he chooses to go down yeah. a level to division to, to an FCS school, and then he'd have two years to play. This would be a red shirt. And he'd, he yeah, and that's kind of why I found it odd that we would limit him to like you know you're not allowed to go to Cincinnati, who we don't play until what twenty twenty one or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, he'll be long gone by the time we ever roll around there. So yeah, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, just I, I, I just found the whole scenario kind of strange. I don't know why he's leaving. I don't know why we're putting limitations on. Unless Frost is just trying to keep some players. Well, look how much you Lamar know, Jackson played this week after getting benched. I mean, he played a yeah. ton. Why? I, I don't understand Bell's stance on this. This to, to yeah, he gains nothing from home. it. He could have yeah. played the rest of this year in a uh, a backup role and do the and do the exact same thing. Leave after the season and and does nothing. He, he has eight more games to put or seven more games to put you know film on. Uh, 
You know, some tape. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't, unless there's some behind the scenes we don't know about and don't see. I don't. Well, know. Well, maybe it's the hockey's point. It's it's the cult. Maybe he ended up not fitting the culture that he thought he would. You know. Yeah, it's possible. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite and possible. It's, it, it's better to find that out, or as we learned with with Riley, it's better to find yeah. it out sooner than later. If you're not fitting the culture, I don't care if you're a frost recruit or not. You know, but for better the, to yep. move on to go well, from a starter, it, and then by the fifth game be gone. That's just crazy to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, is uh, Boomer uh, an, uh, another Riley recruit that may be looking to transfer in the future? Uh, Caleb Lightborn uh, benched um, uh, for a walk-on from Nebraska. This is how I think punters should be in Nebraska, walk-ons from random Nebraska schools. Uh, Caleb Lightborn uh, transferring to Oregon State makes sense to you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I sort of suspect we're not going to throw a whole lot of limitations on where he's going to go. You know, no I, yeah, I don't know what quite happened with him. He just, you know, he got a little better last year from his, you know, disastrous first season, which, you know, was under ill fortune to start with, just was bad circumstances year one. And last year he seemed to improve, but this season I don't know where he, where everything's gone south, if it's just been like lack could. of attention or I don't know what it was, but it it seems to be a good move. I mean, uh, Armstrong came in, had a couple of really good punts, and, that is one another good sign of this coaching staff is that they aren't afraid to bench, you know, scholarship players if push comes to shove or the three or four star athletes in exchange for that walk on if they're there and willing to give it a try. So hopefully it pays off. We'll have to see what uh, how the punting goes this week. But uh, that'd be yeah, a big help I mean, if we can count on 50 yard punts. Remember what we were getting. It, it seems to be a, a mental thing with Lightborn. I mean, he clearly yeah. has the leg at times, but boy. Uh, he's very inconsistent. He is still the kickoff specialist, though, right? Right. Yeah, he still mm. did some kickoffs in the game. Those were, yeah, he's generally okay on kickoffs. It's just punting is where he really seems to go awry. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's really in the last nine days. Now we've had two, and this is part of the culture change. We've had two walk-ons move, elevate themselves into starting positions. Cade Warner at receiver, and now Isaac Armstrong from Lincoln Southwest. I mean, that's. To me, that's a, a culture change. It's a sign of the times. White Missouri is getting more play time. Yeah, he's starting to get in there. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the walk-ons are playing a role in here, the, the way that we'd expect that to, it, kind of under a Frost team. Uh, I thought Arms or uh, Lightborn, he played, you know, he probably kicked as well as he kicked last year under the great tutelage of, of Bob Diaco. So there's always an opportunity to, uh, for Oklahoma. Uh, if he wanted to transfer, he could always go down there now since uh, Diaco's the uh, the linebackers coach mm. as of today. That's right. Prepare not for the strain. Coordinator. <laughs> down and we're not and, and and I shouldn't even say that because we're not suggesting any player leave. We're not, we don't try to name guys. We're just saying we're just saying this is becoming a habit, right? Somebody loses a starting position, and and this isn't just a Nebraska thing. We saw it with Clemson's quarterback. Somebody loses a position yep. and they just transfer anymore. That seems to be the trend. Yep. So hopefully Caleb fights through it, and I, there's nothing I'd like to see more than Caleb win the starting punting position back and be the greatest punter in the country, right? But right now we saw, you know, out of two punts from Isaac Armstrong, we saw we saw something that we we weren't which averaged over 50 yards a kick. Yeah. We we haven't seen that out of out of Caleb. So yeah, if I remember, right, even second the second punt that Armstrong did was actually more of a uh, we kept him inside the the 20 or whatever right it wasn't necessarily a big kick it was actually just actually well placed died, it was right? on yeah, the sideline yeah, and it well went out of bounds like that, if I yeah. Yeah. Right. we hadn't yeah. seen that from from uh, Lightborn forever it felt like so and again i you're right Hawk. i'm not trying to bad mouth Caleb Lightborn he just has not produced 
um, consistently. So, and we it's really hurt us from a a field position standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no doubt. That's why scholarship uh, punters are a bad idea. There's you just put yeah. more pressure on him. If he was a walk on and he was struggling, you you wouldn't be so upset. But you give the kid a scholarship, you bring him in. He's a day one starter. It's just ridiculous. He's in his third year, and this is yeah. his inconsistency. Barrett. Is it's one job? You're a punter. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm Barrett Pickering's looking at the same thing, right? I mean, yep. you know, as a scholarship kicker, he has pressure on him that he's supposed to produce from day one, and uh, he really hasn't yet. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, talking about um, a infusion of youth there, and 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 you know, Nebraska guys making a contribution. Not a walk on, but hockey. There was an interesting tidbit there during the show that has now been confirmed that uh, Cam Jurgens is uh, potentially making a move to an offensive line position. Uh, what do you know about that? Well, it definitely looks like that's what they're doing or trying to trying to work with him on. And it's it's interesting because he would be an extremely athletic center. There's no doubt. At the same time, that offensive line as it is today, it's obviously struggling. And when you look forward to 2019, we're going to need, I think, some Juco infusion of talent into it. We already have Bland coming in. He'll be here in January. And he's most likely going to be at least a guard, if not the center, for next year. And I wouldn't be shocked if we tried to pull in at least one to two more Juco's. Specifically, if we could get a tackle Juco that could be rival, you know, at least competing against um, Farniak for the right tackle spot. If we could get someone to win that spot and move Farniak into guard, we have Bo Wilson playing guard. If you have Bland, I, I like Hymas at left tackle. I mean, you can flip that 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 line fairly quickly in a season. And then if you're developing a kid like, like Juergens to be that next center, and next year as a redshirt freshman he's 265 pounds or 270. As a redshirt sophomore two years from now, he's 280, 285, getting some snaps. And by that next year, when he's a junior and Bland is gone, now, you know, Jurgens is your starter for two years. I mean, if that's the kind of rotation that we're building in, awesome. And so Jurgens, it's really interesting. I, I I didn't see that coming. I thought he'd probably be a D end or a tight end at best. But but if he fits the, the profile they're looking for, if he's got the, the footwork, and, and, and quite honestly, if he can get the damn snap to the quarterback – I'm cool with it. Yeah, if it takes an athlete to snap it correctly, I guess that's that's a good thing. But, you know, uh, that's one thing that Duvall and uh, – oh, help me with his name uh, – the, uh, the strength and conditioning guy who had it, uh, Epley. That's oh, sure. one thing that they, they really pay attention to is frame and body type, and they look at the metrics of those and see what a guy can potentially put on and still maintain explosion and, and be a good fit for that position. And it's likely – I mean – the way Cam grew into his body, he didn't necessarily grow into being a tight end at this level. His, he's, he's not quite as fluid as what the tight ends that we seem to be going for. I mean, like you look at him mm. and a Hickman, they, mm. they're not even close to the same body type, right? And yeah. Hickman was a big priority for this staff, this cycle for tight Correct. end. Cameron Jurgens is a guy you have to get on your team. He's from Nebraska. He's a powerhouse. He's a state shot putter champion. You know, so did, I like the idea of of taking this guy, this explosive athlete, and putting him in a position where we haven't had an elite center in a long time. Dominic, you know? Dominic Raiola. Exactly. So, I mean, like, an offense time. like this, offense like this that requires those kind of calls and that kind of flexibility, uh, it it may be it may work out really, really well. I like the idea of getting mm-hmm. him on the field in more of a power position. You know what's interesting? 
Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. Oh, Honk, I just wanted to to say that. I think it's also interesting that he's willing to do it, right? I yes. Mean, yeah. A guy who's Big. a star, thinking he's going to be catching passes or rushing the, the quarterback, and he's going to be potentially a center. Honk. Well, th- it's, this is totally a projection move, right? But what's interesting is we've kind of lost this mentality of developing players over the last 15 years, and we've gotten to this point of you have to recruit the guy already perfectly sized for the position. Right. And as we find with offensive linemen, a lot of times when you recruit the 6'6", 330-pound high school offensive linemen, they're fat, yep. and they need to lose 50 pounds to put 40 back on, right? right. Where back in the day, if you look at what Jurgens is, which is a 6'3", 245-pound-ish you know, guy who throws shot and was a, right. and just a really good all-around athlete, that was kind of the guy you used to redshirt, and after three years, and right. they were 285, 290, and they were linemen for you. That's not uncalled for or, or, un, or unheard of back then. And when you think of the guy who the, the position, the, the trophy is named after, Remington, one of the things that, that was so unique about Remington, he could snap the ball and pull. And not a lot of centers can do that. And it literally changes. I remember talking with Tenniper actually about this when we were having having beers with Tenniper one night and talking about how getting a, a center to be able to snap a ball and pull on a plate, it completely changes how you draw the play up. It's not something that a typical center can do, and it's an, it becomes an added blocker in a lot of cases. And it's very unique because most can't do it. Rayola could do it. Um, you know, there, it's just it's very limited, and so maybe that's what Jurgens can do. An athlete of his caliber, yeah, awesome. Wow. I, I think you make a good point too, Dave. Look at our roster right now. You can't even sit a guy for a week without him potentially transferring on you. For for a Cam Jurgens to come in, be the you know the highest rated in-state recruit we got, be willing to switch positions into something that's clearly a development role. Like he's going to have to work to get to this position. Uh, that just speaks really highly of the kid. I think it speaks highly of what Frost and the staff are telling these guys. You know, we're looking out for your future. This is a position you could shine in. And and we'll yeah. see how it, it moves going forward. I mean, The roster management that this staff has done has has been really good, but they're also really thin. So I like I like this move. I, I appreciate a guy like Cam Jurgens doing it. Dude, they, Duvall just posted a video of him squatting like, it looked like 12 plates, you know, it's close to 500 to 600 pounds. He's already squatting as a, as a freshman. So he's got power. He'd be a good guy to have there. All right. Great stuff. All right. Anything else on scarlet colored glasses? Let's uh, move into the mailbag, honk. All right. Yeah. Well, before we do the, the mailbag, uh, I want to update us on a Twitter poll that we had, and I like to call it the stupid Twitter poll of the Redcast this week. Um, and it is a dumb poll. And, it We've was, had a few of them. <laughs> this one is just in reference to the dumb polls that, that ESPN will do. And if you remember back in, I think it was 05 or 06, whatever the year was with Texas and USC, they were doing who's the greatest team of all time. Right. And Nebraska, 95, ended up being number one. But that was when, it, uh, I think it was Herb Street and a couple of the guys just went off about how it should be USC. It should be USC from that year. And then USC went on to lose to Texas. So the whole point was behind this stupid uh, Twitter poll that we put out was who's the greatest team of all time, uh, 1995 Nebraska or 2018 Alabama. And uh, with 669 votes, and shocking because we are a Husker fan podcast followed yeah. by Husker fans, 92% said Nebraska and 8% said Bama. But what was <laughs> interesting was that we had a few people respond that were very passionate about it should be Bama, 
and it's not even close and all that. And it's just laughable to me that Bama's a great team. I'm not knocking Saban. I'm not knocking Bama. They have nine games to play. They haven't beaten a, a, a top 25 team yet. And that 1995 Nebraska team did pretty darn well beating four top 10 teams. I think I, I had the number. It was like we scored like 192 to 70 points against those four top 10 teams. I mean, that's if you're going to be a top – if you're going to be a greatest team of all time, at the very least, we can afford to be very picky. Yeah. And I'll use that 2001 Miami team, which had a ton of talent. But when you win 26 to 24 in the last second against Virginia Tech, that one game where you win by two points can eliminate you from being the greatest of all time. And that's one of the reasons why 95 Nebraska, who just blew out everybody, and, and that's why that team consistently gets yeah. ranked up there. Yeah. So to be clear, so, it is the 95 Huskers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a statistically valid conclusion, Mack is yeah. saying. Is that right? Yeah. Could, could it be Bama 2018 Listen, in nine games? Let's, let's see. Where, where they, they look really good. Yep. But – that's there's a different you got to finish let's you win let's finish. let's win your division first before we call you the the greatest none of us time. work at the gallup organization or anything like that so I, I, it's yeah. an unscientific poll but it was the du- it's a stupid twitter poll and i i wrote it so i i admit it freely but let's get on to the mailbag which uh, you can always mailbag us on uh, facebook or twitter uh you can also email us at gobigredcast at gmail which are two mailbaggers from this uh this week uh, both did through our email account uh, mailbag Virgin Tyler from Columbus. He didn't say which Columbus, so I'm going to assume it's our hometown of Columbus, Nebraska. That's but it, celebrating Columbus Days. Yeah, right. that's right now Columbus Day. Yeah. But it, he could be Columbus, Georgia, or Indiana, or Ohio, or uh-huh. any of the other mini ones out there. Anyway, she said, my question for this week is about the 2020 recruiting class. Uh, there's no doubt that the Midwest is stacked with quality players, and I realize it's under two years until signing day, but is there anyone – you think Husker Nation should be watching that's in our backyard. And specifically, he said, don't count Xavier, Betts, or Watts. Uh, I'm going to throw sure. this over to Mac, but you can still talk about Betts and Watts, though. Sure. I mean, well, those two are the uh, – those are clearly the cream of the crop for this this particular recruiting cycle, the 2020 recruiting cycle. Um, Xavier Betts being a top 100 recruit, that's kind of a rare deal for us and a wide receiver at that. Great size, 6'3", 190. So, obviously, he's a guy that everybody wants to get. Um, you know, and Watts as well. Short of those guys, you know, you're looking at an Isaac Gifford uh, from Lincoln Southeast. Uh, Luke's brother? Luke's little brother, right. So, you know, the gene's good there. He's six foot 175. He's playing safety right now. Um, so it would kind of be interesting when he goes from there. And then you've got uh, Javion Ducker from Bellevue. Um, athlete position right now, 5'10", 186. But then the guy that I'm kind of interested in is, is Miko Masner from Kearney. He's a running back, a 6'1", 180 guy. Now, what does is, what is this staff do with a guy like that? that? That was traditionally our fullback guy, right, or, or maybe our linebacker guy. Uh, does, this, does, does he have the speed to be a duck R, or does he become like an outside, inside linebacker? Is he a safety? I don't, I don't know, but, but that's the kind of kid, you know, he's going to have a pretty big year for Carney. So those are, those are the guys I kind of keep an eye on, too. You, you always want to keep the, you know, the legacies like a Gifford kind of in the – yeah. Well, and we want and we want to make sure Gifford doesn't go to Oregon State, which is his one offer right now. So. Well, first he has to come to Nebraska, <laughs> then you transfer to Oregon State under nefarious <laughs> circumstances. That's the that's the fastest yeah. way to Oregon State is to actually yeah. uh, get here first. But to your point about Massner, the, the kid has got some speed. He was a sophomore a year ago playing in that that Class A title game for Carney against Omaha North, and he he's a speed demon. 
but he is 6'1", 180, well, and, and as he gets bigger, yeah. it'll be interesting that's to that see. That's that tweener size, which you're kind yep. of, you know, in the past, Nebraska had a role for those kind of guys. Now, with the, you know, the spread offense that we're going to be running, it'll be interesting to see how those guys get filed in. Uh, maybe maybe he can kick. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Tyler, thanks for mailbagging us. And as uh, as he said at the very end, he goes, uh, we're tied for his favorite Husker podcast. Didn't say who we're tied with, but uh, – but just by saying that, that usually gets you into the mailbag. Well, thanks, Tyler. That was that was nice of you. So our second question, and, and along those same lines, uh, Nate from Springfield. He's a return mailbagger. Uh, he Do we said, know which got... Springfield that is? I mean, there's a wide number of Springfields as well. This one is Missouri. The one right next to Shelbyville. They're our rivals. <laughs> <laughs> this one is this one's Missouri. Uh, he goes, you guys are my favorite podcast after toppling, and I'm not going to say who the other one was, but we toppled another uh, fellow Husker podcast, which is a very good one. Um, he goes, here's a conspiracy theory for you. So this is perfect for Boomer. Do you think it's possible that Riley has been in communication with or has been influencing the transfers that have left for Oregon State? I saw this theory on Twitter and was curious to see what you have to say about it. Best wishes, Nate. Well, I guess that would explain all the letters that have been posted on all the lockers asking uh, the players to meet me at the uh, 14th and Avery parking garage, signed by Mike R. And quietly crossed out, and uh, no, that's too obvious. Let's say, you know, M. Riley. But uh, I, I don't think, I guess nothing would surprise me anymore, considering, you know, Oregon State already, you know, mailed a whole bunch of stuff to, what was it, Hawaii last yeah, year? Yeah, it was Hawaii. And a bunch of their yeah, players. Yeah. I mean,. I wouldn't say it's impossible. You know, it's probably unlikely it's anything direct because that would be, you know, massive tampering, I would think, and that's something that I wouldn't expect them to happen. Now, I could see something more along the lines of, you know, past players, you know, that knew Riley and were part of that that last team and that were just more comfortable in that sort of staff. They can easily talk to, you know, players that are still here. You know, especially some of the players that have left here already and have gone to Oregon State, you know, they may well have said stuff before they left that, hey, there's opportunities there or, you know, we're more comfortable with that staff, come along, you know, you'll know us there, that kind of thing. I could yeah, see I, that being a lot more likely than, you know, any direct tampering or anything like that. Not saying it's impossible, but just seems unlikely. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Boomer. I mean, if, if there is any direct contact, that is a serious infraction and uh, that would be bad news. Uh, I think Mike Riley would be smart enough not to do that. But there's definitely some back-channel opportunities there with a lot of um, uh, common um, acquaintances. So it definitely definitely possible and, and probably in some senses likely that some of that's happened. Yeah. Well, thank you, Nate. Thank you, Tyler. And uh, if you want to, again, mailbag us, you can do that on Facebook or Twitter or at our GoBigRedCast at Gmail account. Um, I want to transfer a little or transition a little bit out of this discussion. And, you know, Tyler talked about the 2020 recruiting class for football. I want to talk a little basketball here, Dave. And I'll just start off with the 2020 class. Uh, in the last week, we, we got a ROP, A-R-O-P, uh, uh, recruit from Omaha. And he's the top in-state recruit uh, that year in basketball which marks three straight years that we have the number one Nebraska kid in recruiting uh, in, in basketball, which is huge for us since it had been since, you know, prior to Brady Hyman, the guy that's a freshman this year from, from Springview, Platteview, Springfield, Platteview, uh, it had been like 17 years since we had an in-state kid recruit. So basketball starting to actually 
Yeah, we're starting to get. And a, now we have the next three top recruits. Top out recruits, of the state. and we have two offers out to like 2021 kids. I think it is that are in state. Right. So Miles has clearly made an, an in state push there. But um, just in general, I, this seems to be a good time of the year as we're 0 and 5 in football. This seems to be a good time just to bring up a little bit of basketball. And I guess I want to start the conversation by talking about how Athlons came out last week with some preseason predictions. And they had us finishing third in the Big Ten, and they had us at two and out in the uh, postseason prediction. They have us in the NCAA with two and out, which I think we, and out. we all know what that would mean. That is a victory in the NCAA tournament. Well, did oh, they say which tournament? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever tournament finishing third in the Big Ten would get us into. So I'm going to assume that's the NCAA. Right, Behind that's Michigan State and... Ohio State or who are we who are we behind? Oh, you know that would have required research on it's my all right. part. That's okay. But <laughs> yeah, it's probably Michigan State. I think they're a top ten team again. Um, and yeah, I don't know who else the other one would be. That's um, pretty good. Potentially, that's pretty good. That's, it's good. I mean, that's that's great stuff. Um, yeah, I mean they have to live with the expectations. Uh, they have to heart, start fast. Win a few of these non-conference games. Uh, don't lose anybody they shouldn't lose to. Yeah, build that initial resume up, and so the the Big Ten can just do what it's supposed to do, which is actually be a, a strong conference and not ruin your. Uh, what's the new term? It's not the RPI any longer, but yeah. Mac, you wanna? Yeah, I got, I got a question. You know, it, it's it's been my habit to zone out during the basketball talk, but I, I noticed. <laughs> but what is what is Miles' history? With starting a season, is it do they usually come out prepared, or does it take them a few games to warm up? I guess my question being, uh, would I need to be would I need to be concerned if we come out and lose, a, drop a few games first part of the year? Should we come out and be pretty dominant right away? I feel like maybe we should be, but I don't know what Miles's history on this. You know, how Michigan State kind of starts slow and builds up. I, I just well, Michigan State starts slow because they play like North Duke, Carolina, North Carolina, yeah. and yeah, UCLA I don't, yeah, I don't think we can afford to start slow. I mean, with the experience this team has coming back and the expectations that you could theoretically have for it, yeah, you, you start slow again. You know, don't do well early on. Don't get those early victories. You have lose to Creighton again to start the season. That's that's a bad that, sign. Ca- cause that's for concern. Point. Yeah. Co- well. I would just say, I would tell you, uh, Mac, that they are going to lose a game or two early, oh, sure, right? Sure. I mean, they, they they have some opponents there that they may not win everything, but they need to win their fair share, yeah. right, of those mm-hmm. better opponents and not stub their toe. To, to your point, Boomer, on Creighton, Creighton should be down this yes, year, is this my is understanding. Year you cannot lose to Creighton. So if, yeah. if Tim Miles is ever going to be Creighton, this is the year. He has yeah, okay. to do him. It's at home. That's a, that's well, a must win. unless the check's clear for Creighton this year, they may have a stack. <laughs> oh, oh. Shade. but actually, that's a great question, Mac, on it because if you look at Miles so far at Nebraska, the year that we went to the NCAA tournament, that was a late surging team. That wasn't the the early part of the year. wasn't what did it for him. If you look at last season with a fairly new team kind of together, we started off slow. And if you look at the team that came back after the NCAA tournament team, it would yeah. have been the 2015 one, I think. That was the right. year that everyone, you know, we were preseason top 25, and that's the year that we lost to Creighton at home when we never should have. We lost to Rhode Island on the road right away. So to your point, yeah, it would be really disturbing if we lose a questionable game or two early. This is a team with, with Roby and Copeland and Palmer and, and Watson back that we should be starting off strong right off the bat. So we should 
I mean that that was a 2015 year. Was it that year we didn't lose at the bank at all? At the, at that, the, well, at the that vault. Was, that would have been the 2013 to 14. Okay. Two so I mean, but that that's the kind of that's the kind of performance we need to have this year. Is protecting it's, home court. That should be. Yes. We should be in every single game at home. I mean, do we play Kansas this year? No Kansas. No. Uh, we play Oklahoma State in, in a, a neutral site in Sioux Falls because that makes sense. Wow. And yeah. uh, we play like uh, Clemson in the you know Big Ten ACC Challenge. I think we have Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Uh, we have that tournament in KC where we'll play either like USC or Texas Tech. So those are those games you need to win a share of those. You can't just you know drop all four of those games. Yeah. You know, so ten games and we'll have final. a feel. Okay. Yep. Now, yeah. to transition out of basketball, and since we're talking about schedule, I just want to bring up baseball real quick because in the last week there was some scheduling uh, talk, and my God, guys, this is the best baseball schedule I think we've played in a number of years. We have four games um, against Oregon State, defending national champs Oregon State in Surprise, Arizona. We uh, will play in Frisco, Texas, against Texas Tech and Mississippi State. And then as shocking as anything is we have two home series – one of them, March 8th through the 10th, we're playing Baylor at home. And then May 10th through the uh, 12th, a late uh, home series against Arizona State. So mm-hmm. you can tell, I mean, there was a there was a push by Erstad and, and the administration to make sure that schedule is not going to be the issue. Well, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's a good schedule, uh, especially, I think, you know, Oregon State in, in that uh, Arizona – classic or whatever it's called i guess uh, and then down in texas the home schedules are interesting i mean baylor it was was good last year but they've really been trying to get on the rebound similar to us they they are at their prime maybe five or ten years ago and they have not been quite as good as of late they were better last year arizona state is interesting because they have um the Indiana coach down there, Smith, Tracy Smith, mm-hmm. and uh, he struggled a lot last year. They, I mean, they had a worse RPI than us. So Arizona State's also trying to rebuild that program. So it's not a, a lock that that's going to be a, a big RPI boost at the end of the year. Hopefully Arizona State's trending the same way we are, um, but they're kind of in the same boat as us. They're looking to get some quality wins there in, in a, a late-season non-conference matchup. Yeah, and I think just our conference slate isn't as strong as it normally you know is. We don't get Ohio State or Indiana at all in in oh, you know conference yeah. baseball, so we have to try to make that up somewhere. So yeah, that's probably why you you boost that non-con schedule as much as you can. So and let's just hope they can win some of those too, because that's another team that yeah. really needs Boy, to make yeah. some moves here, especially for Erstad. So if we want to do it, yeah. here's a good opportunity. They got to steal one from Oregon State. I mean, they just yeah. got to get one. Of yeah, you can't really... get swept. You know. Straight four, yeah. four games there. I think we even started at UC Riverside, so at least you're playing California to start right away. So do yep. what you can. Yep. All right, good stuff. All right, uh, Honk, anything else? Uh, news and notes from around the, the Husker world there? I think that's it. I think we should move on to picks. Redcast predictions. All right, let's do it. Uh, all right, guys, we got uh, ten games again this week. Uh, last week, Honky, did you win? Is that right? Did I hear that right? Shocking. I mean... Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. Well, it shouldn't. But uh, I went eight and two. Dave, I think you went seven and three. Yep. Boomer went six and four. And Matt, I blame Iowa. You went four and six. I took some. I took some chances last week. <laughs> it was all right. I'm just. I'm. I'm one closer to Boomer, so I'm not worried about honky because he's honky. So I, I wouldn't felt, be. I either. felt like making some reaches. I'll do it again. It's yeah. everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, well, let's let's start week seven here, and uh, let's start with uh, an ACC matchup that we're all been looking forward to. We've got uh, the Blue Devils of Duke heading to the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech. Honky, you're really high on Tech. It's the main reason why I picked this one. Let's start with you. <laughs> well, I, I think if Georgia Tech can run it 65 out of 66 times this week or whatever they did against Louisville last week, uh, they'll be fine. I'm going to go with Georgia Tech at, at home uh, with the victory. Sounds reasonable. With my lock Matt. of the week. Lock of the week. Right oh, now. he's taking Ooh. the lock of the week. All right, this is exactly why I put it out yep. there, guys. I'm like, Honky cannot, does not bite on this. It's too good for him. So he went for it. All right, Mac. I'm going to pick Duke. <laughs> Fair enough. Boomer. Uh, Duke's had a week off to prepare, plus they played and defeated Army earlier on this year, so they're ready for the triple option game. We're going Duke. All right, yeah, I, I think Duke's probably a better team. Uh, it's only a two-point spread. I'll, I'll take Duke. I think that's a safer bet. Sweet. Georgia Tech coming off a big high and, and honky. I, I, I got that curse of honky on, on them. They, they can't win. That. I won eight and two last week, Dave. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Um, all right, how about uh, Michigan State, Penn State? Uh, Michigan State. Uh, Losing to Northwestern, uh, even though they only gave up eight yards of rushing. I don't know how that was possible. Uh, Penn State uh, is a 13.5-point favorite. Let's start with Boomer. Oh, Michigan State's starting to collapse into a dumpster fire. So Penn State, lock of the week. So. Good choice. Mac? Yeah, you don't go to the Happy Valley to get right when you're struggling as a program that Penn State's going to win. Honky? Uh, I'm going with my double bonus lock of the week, and I'm going Penn State. All right, I'll make it four for four there, Penn State. All right, uh, let's head out to the West Coast. Uh, Washington Huskies, big matchup uh, in the Pac-12 North, heading to Eugene to take on Oregon. Huskies are a three-point favorite. Mac? I will take the Huskies. Honky? Uh, I think I read somewhere that Oregon hired a time management coach. I'm going to give it to the Ducks. All right, Boomer? Let's go, Washington. I picked them to win the North to start the year, so stick with it. I'm going to go with Honky on this one. I think the Ducks at home uh, can pull this off. Uh, the Pac-12 is just an absolute disaster. It's completely um, hard to figure out. I'll say this game will just add to that um, confusion. It will be a good QB matchup, too. I mean, I think Herbert. It and, will be. Yeah, yeah. Browning. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, both those guys likely uh, see some NFL interest here shortly all right let's uh, head down south we've got uga georgia seven and a half point favorite over the bayou Bengals of lsu lsu coming off that loss to florida which was one of uh, my losses last week georgia at seven and a half honky so i picked lsu to lose last week to florida i was the only one to win that game and I'm going to turn around. You can't brag about it and then say, but I don't care. It's it's disingenuous. <laughs> well, you know, I will brag. Good job. I, <laughs> I will brag, though. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn around, and I think winning in Baton Rouge is going to be extremely difficult. I'm going to give this to LSU. Um, this is my one and only Octopic of the year. Dan, 
This is plus eight if I get this. It's the octopic of the season for Honky. LSU is going to upset Uga in Baton Rouge. Is it minus eight if you get it wrong? Do you know that? It is minus eight if I lose it, though. Gotcha. And I have to I have to wear a weird costume next week. Oh, it's a podcast, so that doesn't matter. We take photographs. That's totally possible. That's true. You guys get to pick the Uh, costume. All right. Mac. I am going to pick Georgia. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Boomer. Georgia. I'll take Georgia as well. All fair. Uh, All right. Uh, Let's go uh, Baylor versus Texas. Now, this is another one that Honky got right last week because he took Texas, but I'm going to take take the uh, um, praise because I said Texas was going to be a surprise team this year and potentially win the Big 12. And uh, so uh, I, I can take some, some glory there as well, Honk. So it's, see, have... that's, that's what Dave does. He hedges his bets. So you, you There's pick... no hedging, really, well, in you, some ways, Honk. You pick, because you pick Texas. What, the, big, the, big 12, the Big 12 takes the top two teams. You... I could easily say that Texas was going to lose to Oklahoma last week, win out all the rest of their games, still advance to the Big 12 title game, then beat Oklahoma. Sure. I'm surprised can. that Texas took the victory early. Uh, I'd be surprised if Texas doesn't stub their toe at least once here and still have a loss in conference at some point. Um, but I'm not going to take him on this one. I'll take Texas. Honky? Well, using Dave as the example, I think that Baylor has a wonderful chance of, of winning this game, a great team. I think that Baylor probably has a uh, – you know, what's the, what's the spread? I, I, I haven't been paying attention. Whatever, it doesn't matter. 14 and a half. 14 and a half. I think oh, I Baylor would definitely beat that spread. I think they have a great chance to win it. I, I, I'm really going for Baylor, and I'll pick Texas. That sounds very reasonable to me. And then next Mac. week, if Baylor wins, then I can say that. I, well, I, I also care. brought up that Tom Herman was one of my hot coaches to watch this year to see how they rebounded. So good job, Mac. You know, now you're I, learning, right? I, I feel like you know I also have a little glory here. <laughs> I, I will say that Texas's performance was either so out of character or that they that they're considering. Bob Diaco as a as a promotional role at Oklahoma right now. That's how bad the the Oklahoma's the defense played. Coach. Is that yep. uh, is that Diaco got promoted? So that's that's <laughs> that's not a good sign, you know. But um, all that being said, I'll go with Texas. Boomer, uh, Texas. I'll just keep it simple. Is this game? Uh, it, this game's in Austin, right? Yeah. Do you need the altitude? Austin, I yes. can look that up real quick. No. You know what? I'm going to make a switch. I'm going with Baylor because Chip and Joanna Gaines uh, are Baylor fans. They're the ones that do fixer upper, and I just, I just feel like there's a really what? good. But if Texas wins, I just talked about how good I think they were too. So I'm hedging my bets, but I'm going to go with Baylor. So Dan, switch that to Baylor, please. Oh, I'm going to go Texas is my lock of the week because I always forget my lock of the week. <laughs> and hockey just. You know, cursed uh, Baylor, obviously. That's true. Uh, All right, so uh, one of the uh, games of the year last year, UCF uh, taking on Memphis. This is in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. UCF undefeated 5-0, looking strong, 4.5-point favorites. Um, Let's start with Boomer. I haven't watched Memphis much this year, so let's just go UCF. They seem to have things cruising pretty nicely. I'm also taking UCF. Mac? Yeah, that was a Ferguson was their quarterback last year in Memphis. He's gone. I'm, I'm going to go UCF. They're rolling right along. Yep. Honky? I, definitely going UCF. Uh, Dave, do you want to use this as your lock of the week, or is Bama coming up? 
<laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't have Bamba. I, I could take it if you want me to. I you you might as well. You're the only one that pocket. hasn't taken the lock yet. So, I've taken like three. So, <laughs> have you ever come All through right. on an octalock? Has that ever happened? Are you no, he's never. Okay. Never come through. I think I lost. Uh, yeah, I'll take UCF as my lock. I, I think they'll beat Memphis. That makes sense. Uh, I'm here all to right. help. Here's a here's another 0 and 5 team, I believe. That's trying to to reverse their season's fortunes. Uh, UCLA going to Berkeley to take on Cal. Cal's a seven point favorite. Does Chip Kelly get his first win? Let's start with Honk. No, Cal. Mac. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm thinking Frost gets off the snide before Chip. So, Cal. Boomer. Um, I'm going the same thing with Mac there. I'm just hoping Kelly doesn't get a win before Frost. So let's go with Cal. I think we play first next week. I would imagine that the UCLA Cal game kicks off after Nebraska Northwestern. So Frost will still get his win first. I, I think Kelly's uh, due for it. I'm taking UCLA. Huh? Ooh. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. How about uh, probably game of the week here? Game day is in Ann Arbor to watch Wisconsin, uh, the foe that we just faced, uh, take on Michigan, a foe that walloped us a few weeks ago. Michigan's a seven and a half point favorite. Wow. Uh, let's start with hockey. If I could have a fourth pick of the week, I'd like to go with Michigan on this one. Uh, we played both teams. Obviously, Michigan uh, destroyed us. Wisconsin did not. And uh, to Boomer's point earlier, I think uh, Whiskey might have, you know, two defensive backs ready for, for the start of the game. So, Michigan. Shea Patterson could have a big day. Good yep. point. Huh. Mac. Yeah, I think this, this game just lines up a little bit better for Michigan. I don't know that they're as good as they looked against us or Wisconsin's as, as bad as maybe they would have looked against us, but I still think Michigan. Boomer. Yeah, Michigan's looked like the better opponent from the games I've seen. Their loss to Notre Dame isn't a bad loss, and – Whiskey's nope. loss to BYU is starting to look worse and worse. So, yeah, Michigan's the better team. Yeah, hey, I'm taking Michigan as well, and that would uh, align with my Michigan as a Big East uh, team that could come out of that. So we'll, we'll see. All right, uh, Colorado, now five and zero, I believe, ranked and continually winning. Uh, still questionable opponents has a real test here on the road in Los Angeles to take on Southern Cal. Southern Cal is a seven and a half point favorite. Boomer. Oh, this is the one I've been struggling with all week. Uh, to keep the Pac-12 interesting, let's go with USC. I'm going to regret that. But Honky. So, again, following Dave's lead, I picked USC to win the South, so I'm going to go with Colorado, and I'm hedging bets <laughs> uh, either way. So I'm going with Colorado. You're really learning, Honk. You're really figuring this out. It only I'm, took like 10 years of doing this. I'm learning. <laughs> Mac? Uh, Colorado burned me last week. I thought Arizona State was going to take him, so I will pick Colorado this week to get burned by them two weeks in a row. All right. I will take the Trojans. I, I think this is a little bit too far of a, a reach for Colorado. They still could win the South, uh, but I think USC holds uh, uh, at home. All right, guys. Uh 10th game of the week, 6th uh, game for the Cornhuskers, Nebraska uh, on the road. Uh, well, it's almost like Lincoln East. Uh, Ryan Fielder and Evanston should, even even with an 0-5 record, turn uh, red 
Northwestern is a five and a half point favorite. Boomer, it opened up uh, quite a bit larger than that, but yeah, again, most of it was down, about right? eight and a half, nine points, which I thought was high. So yeah, yeah. Well, Northwestern's coming off a win off against Michigan State. They were not able to run the ball versus Michigan State. They were one dimensional and still won that game. Uh, Honky, what do you see here as the keys of the game, and, and are you taking the Huskers to get their win? Well, I watched. Uh, I was at the game last year when we played him at home, and, and Thorson, for all the, the talk about him, I mean, he is such a hit and miss QB. I, against us a year ago, we should have lost by 30 points if the guy could have hit a wide open receiver every once in once in a while. So, I'm not sold on him from a, a pro passing QB perspective. Um, I, as we mentioned earlier with Wisconsin, I think our weakness on D is the front seven right now stopping a power running game and. Northwestern just went to Michigan State and won by running for eight yards. I think this sets up well for us to be able to, even if it becomes a little bit of a scoring shootout, I I like our chances here. Um, I'm I'm not just saying this just to say it. I I honestly believe that we're going to go to to Northwestern. I think we're going to win the game. I'll I'll, I'll pick a score. I think we're going to hit over 30 for the first time all year, and we'll we'll win it 34 to, to 27. And if we can win this game, I give us a better than 50% shot of being 5-6 and six going to Iowa City playing for a bowl game. That would be a great second half of the season. That would be awesome. Mac, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? It's so difficult. Um, you know, Northwestern's a game that has been weird over the last few years, regardless of the coach. Uh, they don't really play to type. You know, it's, it's just sort of a battle. But for whatever reason, our team has always kind of shown up for those battles. It's one of the rare games where I feel like we don't just lay down and die, and I'm hoping that carries over this year. And if that does carry over this year, I've seen enough of our offense to know we can be explosive sometimes. And I I hope and feel like maybe we're starting to, although the penalties were high last week, um, again, but they were a different type of penalty, uh, that we've got a chance. So... I'm not gonna. I'm <laughs> That's just, what I'm saying is we got a chance. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick a loss this week. Are we picking scores yet? Uh, yeah, we picked yes. scores. Oh, yeah, Go for it. I also think we can get to 30. I think they're probably gonna be. I'll say 24-32, Nebraska. All right, our random score there. I like it, Mac. Boomer. Ah, this game is tough. Uh, you know, Northwestern showed a bit of spirit these last couple games, which is more than I thought they would after losing their you know running back you know a couple weeks ago to. To injury, um, yeah, they only ran for eight yards against Michigan State, but that's because they only tried it like twenty times. They knew they could throw on them, so they just didn't even bother. So that's kind of the kind of the wrinkle to that. They are a team that doesn't get penalized a lot, so and we are, so that's another notch in their favor. Uh, tough call, but I'm going to go with Nebraska. Finally, turns something around. I'm hedging the way Dave does. Where I think it's going to be a lower scoring game than we expect. It's going to be Nebraska 21, Northwestern 17. All right. We got to All right. Well, we definitely break that streak of giving up 40 points or more to Big Ten opponents with that one. Um, I'll, I'll uh, take Nebraska as well. And I'll, it's Northwestern, so it's going to be a close game that goes right down to the uh, last play. I'll say Nebraska 35, Northwestern 34. It's Northwestern. It's always a, a crazy close it game. It is a right? crazy game. It's a crazy game. 
All right, guys, let's get out of here with some parting shots. Honky, lead us off. All right, well, I, uh, I think I want to puke or vomit or heave. I'm not sure, but we've heard a couple of coaches here in the last weekend. Uh, John Cook, after the volleyball game, he talked about I think, throwing up in his mouth. And, and uh, Frost talked about the team having to puke out some of the bad, bad things. Whatever it is, um, you know, drink it up, Husker fans. I know, you know, we've had some roughness. Drink it up, puke it out, whatever you got to do. But uh, uh, things are going get, to keep getting better. We've got the right people. I, I, I keep having to tell myself this. We have the right people in, in leading the programs. We have the right leadership in place. The thing that is most important right now, football-wise, for us is we need consistency. We need, we need the same defensive backs coach for two straight years. We need to not switch offenses and switch defenses. We just need to keep getting better with what we're doing. I like the trajectory that Frost brings over the long term, and uh, it's going to be Oregon speed with Husker power. And just keep doing what we're doing. We'll start to see the results. All right, good stuff, Honk. Uh, Mac? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is just sort of a commenta commentary to the players out there. I mean, I really do respect the fact that uh, they're flying around there with the uh, you know, desire to excel and no fear of failure. But after you know five games of 10-plus penalties a game, I, I would like just to have a little fear of failure. Just, just, a, just a little fear of failure. And, and that's probably okay. I think just a like a like a couple a drops, tinge. just a couple drops of just that fear of failure, and maybe we cut those penalties in half and win a game. So I love the spirit, I love the heart, just a little more fear of failure, <laughs> and that's all. And once we do that, man, you know, sky's the limit. Yep. Sky's the limit. All right, boomer. Well, I just want to remind all the uh, Redcast listeners out there that no matter what happens this weekend. Uh, the UTEP Miners have a bye week, so they will still have a longer losing streak than us since they haven't won a football game since 2016. So, woohoo! Take that. Excellent. All right. That's not looking on the bright side of things. There's always a silver lining. Like absolutely, absolutely. All right, all right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's call that a go big red cast. Northwestern.